0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. You are listening to the Thai Expat Daily Show. I'm your host, Kieran Mack, and thank you once again for tuning in. Now, before we get into today's show, please like this video and subscribe to the channel if you already haven't. It helps the alg- algorithm and helps us to get seen by many, many people around the world, and that is, at the end of the day, the ultimate goal. Now, we're gonna jump into the first story, which is about the Mountain B nightclub which burned down a week ago. Now, if we recap in the story really quickly, Nineteen people have been killed and up to 38 have been hospitalized, are on ventilators, they're in serious condition. The owner of the nightclub, a 27-year-old guy, with his 31-year-old girlfriend, were arrested, charged, then bailed, and now are currently out on bail. And that's where we thought the story ended until last night, where the district court then issued an arrest warrant for the father of the 27-year-old, because they actually believed that the 27-year-old didn't actually own the nightclub. It turns out the father is the owner of the nightclub and the son is the one that has been running it on his behalf. So today the father was arrested brought back down to the uh, police station and again he was charged with the same thing that the son has been charged with and that's where the story we thought also stopped but yet again there's always a bit more here in Thailand. What happened now is the families of the deceased and the ones currently in hospital at the moment have now contact the crime suppression division of the Thai police to ask them to take over the case and take it out of the hands of the local police because they believe that the investigation is not being done correctly and of course we could see why absolutely nobody could figure out that the 27 year old guy wasn't the owner and that really makes you wonder exactly what is going on here as always in Thailand there's always a quick thing to try hush things up as quickly as possible money's paid to the victim then everybody hopes that it goes away so let's hope on this occasion that it doesn't go away that the people who are responsible and ultimately responsible the father the son and the girlfriend are prosecuted under the law and do go and spend their time in jail and that's where we'll leave the story at today now i'm sure there will be more and when there is we will definitely bring it to you and moving along, and a follow-up yet again on another story. Now remember the story about the guy who was caught, uh, who had posted a TikTok of him uh, illegally spearfishing parrotfish off the coast of PP Island in the national park. Well, he has been caught and arrested as of today. And it's quite an interesting case because there seem to be uh, everybody's out to get him, and everybody wants uh, their piece of blood in relation to it. But this guy yesterday actually released a apology video on TikTok. I don't know how to
1: point this out, but I think I just want to say like um, I'm deeply deeply sorry for what I've did Uh, I didn't know anything about this and it was absolutely not my intention to um, catch those fishes or or even fish in in a a, in a Area like that where it's not allowed to fish After growing up my whole life in Algeria and doing spearfishing everywhere around the world I always check before I go somewhere like fishing Uh, about the rules and and, and the policies, but I think this was the first time that I felt so free and loved and welcome in Thailand which made me not think about it and there was a lot of miscommunication also with the boat guy who brought me there He didn't speak very much English and he was like, yeah, he didn't really tell me about this So I was like, okay, it's all cool. And also after seeing the parrotfish, the green one, seeing it uh, being sold at the market as you can see here i will point out some videos um i was like okay maybe it's okay to fish here but it was absolutely not my intention and i want to ap- deeply apologize to the national wildlife um, the police the citizens of thailand who i heard and humans make mistakes and this is my mistake to learn from and i can i can promise that i will never ever do something like it so again i'm deeply deeply sorry and i hope you guys can forgive me for these actions now,
0: the name of the guy who was actually caught is Roslyn Bendina. Now he apparently says he's Algerian, though the Thai press are reporting that he's Dutch. So I'm not 100% sure what his nationality is. But when I look at the video, I see a guy who seems pretty sincere in relation to this whole thing. And to be honest with you, I take his word for it that he probably did ask the fishermen if it was okay and he probably was told that it was and this is the way things work but the hypocrisy of the Thai netizens who've always come out to condemn here makes me wonder exactly do they know what goes on in their own country. Now he showed a video and if you could see there was definitely parafish being sold in the markets in Krabi so where did they come from they certainly weren't fished out by foreigners and then sold to the market no they were caught by local fishermen. And it's a practice that continues to go on day by day. It doesn't mean it's right, but it doesn't mean that because one foreigner does it, that we need to have his blood and we need to have him deported, blacklisted, arrested, fined and all the other things that go with it. Sometimes people just make mistakes and sometimes we need to recognize that and say he's made a mistake and he's apologized for it and he's probably learned his lesson. But as always, there has to be this outrage on the internet and we have to get this guy. And sometimes I think it goes a bit too far. 15 years ago when there was no social media, nobody would have known about this. And this guy would have continued on his way and it would never have been spoken about. But with the age of social media and you know our ability to shoot videos straight away and upload it straight away, These things get caught. He obviously made a video of himself catching it and didn't think there was anything illegal posted on TikTok and that's the way things go. He now has to live with the repercussions and of course they're probably going to throw the book at him because that's the way the Thai police and Thai authorities act as soon as a foreigner does anything wrong here in Thailand. It's really really sad and they really need to address the situation. As I said, people make mistakes. And now, at the end of the day, this guy probably won't be able to come back to Thailand ever again. I'm not sympathising with him in relation to it. What he did was wrong and he broke the law. But sometimes we have to have a little leniency when it comes to things. And that's just my opinion on it. Now now that I've given my opinion on it, I'd love to know your opinion on it. What do you think? Do you think it's right that he gets deported? Uh, do you think it's right he gets fined, arrested and all the things that will come back? Or do you think sometimes we do need to be more lenient? As I said, I've given my opinion. I'd love to know yours next story, actually it's a story that's been doing around a couple of days and it's in relation to the Thai electoral system. And currently at the moment, there was a bill that went into parliament on Monday and that bill basically was trying to allow, change the number that's divided to make the party list seats. It's called the 100 versus 500. Now the smaller parties want the 500 rule while the larger ones are happy to keep with the 100 and I'll explain why in just a second. But basically what happened was Not enough people turned up to actually a vote on it so the bill didn't pass and it's reverted back now to the 100 number but let's explain really quickly about that. Now that the bill that would benefit small political parties with a greater chance of winning party list MP seats in the next general election has been killed, things will go back to square one. The parliament president Chuan Lek Pai tried his best to give legislators their chance to vote on the bill by calling a special joint parliamentary session on Monday but the obviously deliberate absence of large number of MPs and Senators doomed his attempt causing the bill to fail to meet the 180 day deadline. For months many if not most ties have been baffled by this political back and forth that comes to be known as the 100 versus 500. Even political experts have problems explaining to people on the streets as to what it's all about. Bluntly speaking however, whether it's the 100 formula or the 500 formula, it has little to do with advancing Thai democracy or serving public interest in any way. It all boils down to a mere political tussle that would serve only political interest. Now let's get to the bottom of this bone of contention. Let's start with the 100 formula. In the next general election, let's say all the competing political parties together gather a total of 38 million votes and this is based on the 2019 turnout. The votes would then be divided by 100, which is the number of party list MP seats up for grabs under the constitution. The result is 380,000, which represents the minimum number of votes for a party to win an MP seat. In this scenario, if party A received a total of 1.9 million votes, it would be entitled to have 5 MPs. Of course, very few of the existing small political parties can expect to get that many votes. Only major parties would stand to gain from this formula. Now let's look at the 500 formula. The 38 million votes will be divided by 500. The result would be 76,000 which is the minimum number of votes required for each MP. It's no wonder, then, why small political parties have been fighting for this formula. Originally, the 100 formula was drafted by the Electoral Commission and proposed to the Parliament by Pryot's cabinet, but it was modified during the parliamentary process and became the 500 formula. The drastic change was made possible with the support of the ruling coalition parties, especially Palang Pacharat, apparently out of fear that the original formula would benefit Thai, the main opposition party, and that's the party of uh, Yingluck, uh, Shinawatra and her brother, of course, who after, after some rethinking, those in the ruling coalition suddenly realised that the 500 formula bill might not give them an upper hand in the next general election after all. There were also repeated warnings from legal experts that the formula might be unconstitutional. Critics believe that major ruling and opposition parties collude to have the bill killed as they would benefit from the 100 formula the most. The conspicuous absence of MPs belonging to these parties in the final joint parliamentary session on Monday certainly lends credence to this theory. With the 500 formula bill now dead, the original 100 formula bill will now be revived. It will be sent back to the Electoral Commission for further deliberation. If the Commission has no objection or proposes no amendments, it will be submitted for royal endorsement. But that will not be the end of this story yet. Some small political parties have made it clear that they will challenge the constitutionality of the bill. If the court finds no fault with the bill, the whole thing will be put to rest. In the event that the court rules it too problematic, then the election commission will need to draft a new bill yet again. And that would mean another field day for politicians and another political circus for the public to watch. And that's as simple, I guess, as you can explain it. And that's the simplest explanation I have heard about it here in Thailand. It is, seems rather complicated to me, but I'm not sure. Do other countries have systems like that? I'd love to know, guys. In your country, wherever you're listening, what is the political system? How do you calculate? Do you do the first over the line? Or what kind of a system do you employ in your country? Now, next up, and what we're going to talk about is this new visa that Thailand has been touting for the last six months. You'll be able to register for it starting on the 1st of September, and it's called Thailand's LTR visa, which is the long-term resident visa. And as I said, you'll be officially able to apply for it starting September 1st. Now, this is the much-anticipated, much-touted visa from the Thai government, which is planned to revitalize the entire economy here in Thailand. It is the post-pandemic economic recovery. And it's all down to one visa that's going to attract rich, rich people who want to spend all their money here in Thailand. But today, however, we are going to concentrate on one aspect of that, which is the work from Thailand professionals section. And that's kind of been dubbed the digital nomad visa. Now, the more I read about it, the more I realize it's far from a digital nomad visa. Certainly not when you compare it to other countries and what they offer. But we're gonna go through it and give you a flavor of what this new digital nomad visa is. So Thailand is introducing a new visa called the Long-Term Resident Visa which is a program that provides a range of tax and non-tax benefits to enhance the country's attractiveness as a regional hub for living and doing business for high potential foreigners. Now you may ask, what privilege will be offered for this LTR visa? Well, firstly you'll get a 10-year renewable visa. You'll get exemption from the four ties to one foreigner employment required ratio. You will have fast-track service at all international airports in Thailand. You will also be exempted from doing the 90-day report and you will only have to do it one time per year. You also will be exempted from having to get a re-entry permit. Permission to work in Thailand will be granted by way of a digital work permit. And finally, you will only be charged 17% income tax and that will be for those high-skilled professionals. Now, in order to get this visa, what exactly do you need to have? And what are your requirements, I guess? So first, you have to have a personal income of a minimum of 80,000 US dollars in the past two years. In case you, your personal income is below the 80,000, but no less than 40,000 in the past two years, applications must have a master's degree or above or own intellectual property or receive Series A funding. Now the company that you work for, it must be from abroad, it must be a company outside of Thailand, and it must be a public company on a stock exchange or a private company in operation for the last three years with a combined revenue of at least 150 million US dollars in the last three years. Now the person who's applying must have at least five years work experience in the relevant field of the current employment over the past 10 years. And finally, you must have health insurance with at least 50,000 U.S. dollars coverage or Social Security benefits, ensuring treatment in Thailand or at least a $100,000 deposit in the bank. So if you don't have the insurance or the, or the Social Security, you need to have a deposit in a bank account, which obviously you're not going to be able to touch, of 100000 U.S. dollars. So that is the new LTR visa for the digital nomad already working in Thailand. Now, as you can see, this is clearly not a digital nomad visa. And certainly when I think about it, the companies that would be have 150 million over the last three years, it certainly doesn't, you know, wouldn't be a digital nomad lifestyle. So I'm not quite sure who this is for. I have a feeling, because there hasn't been that much talk since it's been published, that they're not banking much in it. To be honest, they seem to be more focused now on, Marijuana smoking outside. Full moon party extensions till 4 a.m. Setting up casinos here in the kingdom of Thailand. Uh, I, I'm not quite sure where this fits into their whole plan. But of course we will keep an eye on it. We will find out. And we'll see in the future what goes on with it. Whether it's a success or not. But as again, as I've had my opinion, I'd like to know yours. Do you think this LTR visa will be a success? Or do you think it's going to be a dud? Like many of the other visas that they brought out in the past. That it will just kind of like disappear nobody will ever talk about it again and it'll just be kind of a visa option at the end of a very long list of other visas that you know have become irrelevant i'd love to know your opinion as always down below in the comment section and guys that's it for today thanks once again for tuning in and we'll see you all again on friday morning